Welcome to the podcast from Stazza's Stable, The Stable Master Speaks. My name is John Starrett, aka The Stable Master. And what a week it's been. This is the third podcast in seven days. It makes a big difference from the one every six weeks. Um, last week's podcast was obviously a normal one about marathon training. Um, and then a couple of days ago, we had the breaking news story about the Zane Robertson saga, which we're going to continue with uh, today. So that's going to be the bulk of today's podcast because I've got a few updates and a little bit more information for everyone. Um, but first of all, as everyone knows who listens to the podcast regularly, no jingles, no sponsorship, no advertising, no patrons, and no editing. This is just raw and fresh straight off. So if there are any mistakes, they stay in. So hopefully I don't make too many. And as usual, again, any uh, background noise or anything like that, I do apologise for. Uh, there's a dog in the room with me, so it might start wagging its tail or something like that so anyway let's go let's see what we got right the Mauritius trip as we all know um we've got a four bedroom villa in Mauritius with an outdoor swimming pool 350 meters away from the main beach in Mauritius and close to all the nightlife and restaurants got it booked from the 26th of January to the end of February so two people can win a two-week holiday there they can bring their partner or their family um as we discussed previously also, we got a competition to win a pair of super shoes too. Uh, the question will be at some point in the podcast, probably towards the end. So listen out for that and get back to me through my WhatsApp number, plus 353-083-043-5669. Or you can hit me on Instagram on uh, Staza underscore stable, or you can get me through my website, stazastable.com. Um, and also on Facebook too, Facebook Messenger. So let's crack on and see what we've got. Right, um, for the Mauritius trip, as you all know, we've got two hats. We've got the hat where everyone's name goes into whenever they get the answer right. And as usual, if you get the answer to the question right and I coach you, your name goes into the hat three times. If I don't coach you, your name goes into the hat once. And then what we're doing at the end of each month, from now until the end of July, I'm going to pick 10 names out and put into a separate hat so at the end of the July there's going to be one hat that's going to have hundreds of names in and one hat that has like 50 names in and so it just means uh, it builds up a bit of excitement so if your name's in the hat with the there's a dog sneezing then if your name's in the hat with the um, 50 names in you've got more of a chance and builds up the excitement so the first draw I've done for the end of March and here are the 10 names that are going into the separate hat so we've got John Fawn who my coach George Bull, whom I coach, Richard Ward, whom I coach, Mark Jones, I don't coach, Julie Stevens, I don't coach, Dan Smith, I do coach, Finbar Kakorin, I do do coach, Marco Lachetta, who's down in Australia, I do coach, Brendan Sheehan, whom I do coach, and Ansel Kiprop, whom I do coach as well. So they're the 10 names, all of your names will go into the hat, where at the end there'll only be 50, maybe not 50 names, but 50 dockets in there, so you've got a good chance of winning. Okay, so that's that. So listen up for the, the question for this week. Um, and also, don't forget, it goes into the... You, you also, if you get the answer right, you go into the hat for the super shoes. And that draw is going to be at the end of April. Anybody who's a member of the Strava group, Staz is stable. Um, so the Stable Master Speaks, sorry, the Stable Master Speaks, the art of the marathon in the Strava group there. If you get the answer right for uh, the shoe question, then your name goes into the hat twice there. Okay, so there's lots of hats and lots of prizes and things. So that's, as as you know as well, we do dish out the prizes for any new listeners. Uh, two listeners 
had two weeks each in the Caribbean um, in January and February this year. So let's crack on without much ado. So the whole Zane Robertson saga is uh, taking up everything at the moment from Facebook to uh, all of the social media platforms and rightly so. So um, on, I don't know what day it was now, I've lost track of the days, a couple of days ago, I did a podcast, just a short one, four minutes, informing people that uh, basically that Zane was under surveillance and was likely to be arrested very soon. Um, I'm now going to follow that up because obviously a lot of people have asked me questions and it's appeared on social media platforms and notably Let's Run as well. Uh, for anybody that doesn't go to Let's Run and read Let's Run, and I know there are a few people who were surprised and never heard of it, you should be there because that's where everything about the sport is really. Uh, and it's like the Wild West, it's great fun. So go and have a read of that. And even when people are having a go at you, it's still good fun. So I'm getting a blasting at the moment <laughs> and it's making me laugh anyway. So it's good stuff. Right, so let's have a look and see. So let's get the facts really, because even still a lot of people aren't aware of some of the facts. I just want to outline the facts and the things that, as I know them at the moment. Okay, so I'm going to give you all the facts and then we can go into a little bit of the discussion. Okay, so basically Zane was given a four-year ban because he tested positive for EPO. He was also then given the four-year ban by the Sports Tribunal and they ruled effectively that he had sought to subvert the doping control process, basically, you know, to try and send them on the wrong track. Uh, according to the judgment, uh, the according to the tri tribunal judgment, it, they said that um, that Robertson basically said that he'd attended a medical facility in Kenya to get a COVID-19 vaccine. And instead of getting that, they gave him EPO. Now, we all know that story. That's everyone that's out there, okay? But the bit that some people might not be aware of is that what Zane did, uh, he provided sworn affidavits from Kenyan doctors, hospital notes, a hospital report, and a witness statement from a Kenyan detective. Now, this is very important, the Kenyan detective, to support his claims, arguing that there was no fault or negligence. So just let that sink in. Not only did he cheat and dope, okay, he also lied and uh, provided sworn these sworn affidavits from doctors, hospital notes, the whole shebang. So he went well out of his way to prepare for this, okay? And he had plenty of time because he was tested, I think it was in May. Uh, and then I think from what my understanding is he was told in September. So he, he had plenty of time to prepare his defence and to hand it all in. So And this is what he came up with. And I suspect he came up with this not just by himself, but with a few other people. And we'll talk about that in a little while, but that's not fact, that's supposition. So I'm just imagining that bit because um, obviously he's, he's had to involve other people in this if he's got sworn affidavits from a Kenyan detective and hospital notes and all this sort of stuff. Anyway, that will make a little bit more sense as we press on, okay? so But the thing is, is that the drug-free sport New Zealand, um, they, they were basically opposing uh, Zane. They said it was like clinically implausible or there was a clinical implausibility with what he was putting forward. Um, and then they also presented evidence uh, to say that that Robertson had not administered EPO at this facility. So they said that he hadn't. So they'd gone and checked it. OK, uh, well, well, they got somebody somebody from the medical centre that Zane basically said he went and got the uh, the EPO from by accident. As the, 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 the president of that medical centre has said, they did not administer EPO to him, OK? So that's been proven to be a lie. Uh, they also said that he hadn't attended the facility on the alleged date, another lie, 
okay? They also said that the medical notes submitted were not from their facility as well. So lots of lies here compounding, yeah? So there's a little bit of a, a pattern developing. Um, the medical center vice president also said that the two doctors now, two doctors uh, that Robertson had put forward uh, as names, one was a lab technician, wasn't even a doctor, and the other one wasn't employed at the facility. So again, more lies. I think that's five, six, seven, eight lies. I'm not sure exactly, but you can count them. Okay. So then what drugs, Drug Free Sport New Zealand also alleged that it submitted falsified documents and testimony, okay? And what that amounts to is a tampering breach. He chose, not, because of it, because it's a tampering breach, he chose not to contest after deciding not to rely on the evidence he originally filed. So effectively, when they got into the tribunal, he didn't um, contest everything and he just left it with what he'd put forward already. Okay, so he didn't come clean then and say that he was lying, that he panicked and he made it all up and then tell the truth about where he got the EPO from and the true story, okay? And Nick Patterson, who's the chief executive of Drug Free Sport New Zealand, said that doping denies clean athletes a chance to excel on a level playing field. That's a direct quote from him. He also said that Mr. Robertson's actions are not just deeply disappointing, but undermine the high levels of sporting integrity we see and expect from athletes who represent our country. So um, that's that's it, direct from the horse's mouth, a quote there, okay? So after the news broke, uh, Zane went on sort of the offensive and went on a podcast and uh, with a friend of his. And the friend was very, very generous to him and didn't really uh, hit him with any hard questions. They didn't ask um, you know, more details about these doctors and how he knew them, this detective, and why that, that was dismissed. They didn't ask why he didn't contest the evidence as, as well. So obviously, because effectively Zane was coming clean or supposedly coming clean on this podcast. Now, and this is a point where, we, where it gets a little bit more interesting. So, well, not that it's not interesting already, but, you know, it gets a lot more interesting. During the podcast, Zane did probably one of the numptiest things I've ever seen anyone that do before. So if you imagine if Zane came out and said, listen, I got Bauman's toothbrush and toothpaste and mixed it into the old burrito and a bit of EPO was in there or something like that, that would be far more plausible than, you know, what you said so far. But wait till you hear this one. So between 8 minutes 30 and 9 minutes 30 on the podcast, um, he actually said that he brought the EPO from Ethiopia to Kenya. And just to be 100% clear, this is a criminal offence, okay? And for those that are unsure about this, it carries between 5 and 30 years in jail or huge fines. So if Zane at the moment can't afford to fly to New Zealand and get out of um, Kenya, he certainly won't have, be having the money for these fines unless uh, uh, the 20 or 30 people on Let's Run who are supporting him do a GoFundMe for him. So, But we'll see. Even if, I doubt even then they'll get enough money for him. Uh, he might need his uh, the, the teenagers to support him as the, the gangster rapper runner on Instagram to maybe help with that GoFundMe too. It's a lot of money, so but you can look it up. So nobody picked up about this one-minute confession where he actually said he, he brought the EPO from Ethiopia into Kenya. No journalist, nobody at all, So which really surprised me. And I was speaking to... Um, a friend of mine and we were discussing things and you know we, we both picked up on it and we said and I said to him this is definitely a criminal offence so I waited to find out if anybody like 
close to Zane, let's say the expats who live in Eten might come forward and say something, might lambast him for what he's done and saying that, you know, he's brought great shame on them. But nobody did that. Nobody from Eten came out and said anything that I'm aware of uh, or anything major. And I've not seen too much in the press uh, along those lines either. So I sat and I thought about this for a while. Uh, and I thought, well, if he's taking the EPO from Ethiopia into Kenya, and that's a criminal offence. You know, something has to be done about this because for years now, and rightly so, so just so I'm clear about this, that Kenya has been getting blasted to bits for the doping. And, and that's right, because there's been a lot of doping coming out of Kenya. And I said in my previous podcast that even though I have business affairs in um, in Kenya and I coach Kenyan runners who are hoping to come into Europe this year and race, that I still think that Kenya should have received a ban uh, until it got its act cleaned up. However, the Kenyan government with World Athletics, have, you, know, you know, now the Kenyan government are banging in, I think it's something like $5 million to try and sort out, a, that's a year, I think, to try and sort out the, the doping problem. So they're serious about it. And they have been serious about it over the last few years as well. Now, I know from being on the ground there, I know like coaches there like John Ewoy, who's a good friend of mine, uh, he, coach, he coaches Cosmos, who won the Vienna Marathon, and Agnes, who won the Munich Marathon. I know the extent that he goes to to speaking to his athletes about doping and saying it's wrong. I've sat in these meetings with him and listened to him. And a lot of the Kenyan coaches are doing this across the board. So, you know, it's not like they're, they're just burying their head in the sand and ignoring it. They're, they're making an effort. So, but then this is the first time I'm aware of that somebody from outside of Kenya on this sort of scale, you know, to me... Uh, Zane Robertson was clean. I, you know, I, I would have, if anybody asked me, I would have said, I think, think he's clean. I admired what he'd done. He got up and you know, left New Zealand as a young lad, which took, takes a lot of courage. And just to put a context on that, and I can have some empathy with him as well, because I did a similar thing, a little bit older, but I left my job and everything and went out to Kenya at the age, of, I think I was about 24 or 25, and lived there for two years. And that was my first time there. And that was probably about 30 odd years ago. So I know what that takes and, you know, how how things can be affected. And I ended up with no money as well and having to struggle. So I know the sort of battle he went through. The difference is I wasn't an elite runner or anywhere near an elite runner. So, you know, that's a, a different side to the story. But I appreciate and can empathise with him, you know, and the, the struggles that he's had um, and the difficulties. So, but if we bring this back round to where it is now, um, he, he said this in, in the podcast and nobody picked up on it. And, you know, he's a major, major figure. He has thousands and thousands of followers on Instagram. You know, I think everybody in the running world knows who he is. Um, and sort of, I think most people would be surprised. I know there are a few people saying they're not surprised and that there's heard rumours and things like that. Now, in the whole time that I've been going to attend into Kenya, I never heard anything about Zane doping. So, you know, to me, this was a surprise. I was, I was genuinely very, very shocked. And I'm quite sceptical as well. So I thought about this. I thought, like, is he telling the truth about this now, given that this uh, catalogue of lies? Um, and I, th- I found it, I-, I couldn't find it feasible for him to smuggle EPO across the border into Kenya. Um, and-, and if he did, then I was thinking to myself that it was really stupid, given the, the-, the I suppose, the climate in Kenya at the moment and how important the whole drug thing is. You know, like doping in Kenya now is really, they really are nailing down on it. And if people are going to get caught now, then they're in big trouble. So, and I know he's not Kenyan, so it's a little bit different, but the fact that he's brought the EPO into Kenya, it opens up a whole can of worms, is are other people from outside bringing in 
EPO and drugs into Kenya. Now, I don't think it's something like cycling where, you know, there's these big cartels and it's all big bucks and big money and all that sort of stuff. I don't think it's like that. I still, my my own opinion, and this is not fact, of course, now we're moving from the, 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 uh, the facts into opinion and we'll come back into facts in a minute, is that it's still kind of crude. I would suspect that it does go on in the camps because people in the camps are getting busted. We now know this is the fourth uh, pacer for Kipchoge sub two uh, event that's been busted for doping as well. So it's quite serious and, and the top elites are doing it and they're in the camps too. And they've got to be getting the gear from somewhere. I don't think it's been smuggled in. I think what's happening, and this is somebody on Let's Run mentioned about this. Okay, so it's an offence to, it's not an offence to dope in Kenya and have EPO, but it's an offence to bring it in. And we're saying, you know, just trying to get his head in the sand or something like that, but or him or her, I'm not sure if it's a man or a woman. Um, but there's a difference here is that people probably don't sit with EPO in their house in Kenya. Um, and this comes to, this is an important point now why we have to question Zane's story again. is because... Your average Kenyan guy is not going to know what to do with EPO and where to inject it and how much to put in and all the protocols and things like that. Now, I've got no idea how you do this and how it works and stuff or how it's stored and things like that. I would imagine it would need to be stored in a fridge to some degree, uh, depending, and it must have a shelf life. It sounds like Zane had this for years in Ethiopia and then brought it across and sat on it for a long time, ruminating on whether to use it or not. Uh, so whether it would have been safe to use would have been another question. Again, I don't know. These are just this is just speculation and questions that I have about the whole affair. Um, but I can't imagine Zane like uh, jumping into a matatu down to Tambach track at six o'clock in the morning and sitting around the back of the outside toilets there, smacking his arm, you know, and then whoosh and whacking in the EPO and thinking, here we go, and then going out and banging out ten times one mile at four forty pace or something like that. Um, so to me, there's got to be questions about like, how did he inject it? How did he know what to do with it? Where did he get this knowledge from? Uh, and really, that's where I, this is where I'm struggling with it around the whole Kenya thing and then bringing it into Kenya and use, storing it and using it. So that's a, a question to think about, too. Um, so if we, if, if we kind of move on from there, and this was like troubling me. So I thought, OK, something's got to be done about this, because if it is, Zane is bringing it in, um, then this has to be addressed because it's serious. And if no one's going to say anything about it, then I am going to, OK? Because I've got Kenyan runners over there that I look after and I've been watching this for a long time now. And basically what he's done is really, really bad. It's not a simple case of, oh, he's made a mistake. He's a, he's a 32 or 31-year-old fella. He's been around a bit and he knows a sketch. And there's no two ways about it. He's been in Kenya for a long, long time. I know he's had a little sojourn in New Zealand and uh, a little breakaway into Ethiopia as well. And let's just digress a little bit there. Um, the test that was carried out as well, just because so people don't know, some people don't know this from what I've been reading, is it wasn't a one-off test. This was a targeted test, okay? So Zane was running in the UK. So he'd gone all the way to the UK and obviously doped before going there. Um, but the, uh, the authorities in New Zealand alerted the authorities in the UK and asked them to do a targeted test. Zane finished 11th, I think it was, in the race, and was tested. For him, that should have sent off alarm bells straight away, that he was being target tested. So if he was being target tested, why? Why go out the way? Why would New Ze the New Zealand authorities spend all of that money to do this? So it's, I suspect, I don't know, again, I don't know how this process works. They must have had some information on this or from previous tests, maybe there's some information. I've got no idea. Uh, but to me, again, it just 
doesn't sound right. So again, you know, to be just a one-off test. So that's another thing that we have to look at as well in question. So as I started to think about all these things and put it together, I thought, right, okay, you know, something has to be done about this. No one's going to do anything about it. It's just going to move on. And the world had moved on to, I don't know, the new thing from World Athletics to do with transgender athletes, something along those lines. Um, and a few people were talking about it, but it was coming out, it was coming out quite clear. Some people started picking up on the fact that, you know, he had actually smuggled it across, you know, eventually people started talking about it and nothing was going to get done. So I've got a few friends uh, in the uh, director of criminal investigation, criminal investigation in, in Kenya. So along with my business partner, we spoke to a senior officer in there and that's what I did the podcast about the other day. It's only a four minute one, but basically the bottom line is I presented the, um, or sent the uh, recording of the podcast, highlighting that one minute where he says he brought it in and across. I've then since also sent further information about the stuff that we've discussed in here about him uh, apparently or allegedly, fraudulently uh, providing evidence to the, the, the court with these falsified um, medical statements and doctors' names and, and claims as well. Now, obviously, the police aren't up to speed on all of the doping stuff, the way runners are and the anti-doping agencies. So what's happened is that after I'd spoken to uh, the, the officer concerned that he pulled in the anti-doping agency of Kenya to assist him with the investigation. So obviously they would know a lot more about the specific details. They would probably be aware of Zane's case and the allegations and the things that he had said. And they would also know all of the science stuff behind it and what, what was feasible and what wasn't. Now, from that point there, um, the way I left things uh, was that I'd said, when I'd given the extra information about, and this is the, the important part, about that Zane had testimony or an affidavit from a detective. And anybody that's been to Kenya for, you know, a number of times or been there for a while understands what I'm saying by this now is that, you know, anything can kind of go. We know there's a, a lot of bribing goes on in Kenya as well. Um, but I'm very, very confident that the officer that I've spoken to wouldn't be susceptible to a bribe on this point. You know, that's one of the reasons why I picked this guy to go to. Um, so the information that I've received back uh, was, I think it was on Monday morning, was that they, they, they didn't know where he lived and they were getting confused between Zane and his brother uh, with the pictures. So whilst I've been past their house and done hill sprints past it and things as well, or I don't know if it's Jake or Zane's house, um, I wasn't sure myself, so I had to get in contact with some people. They furnished me with the information and then I passed it on to the DCI. And I said to them at this point that, um, you know, this this story is going to erupt all over the place. It's not going to take long before people realise about the smuggling thing and start asking questions about it. And there seems to be lots of holes in the story that, you know, people are going to carry on talking about this because this is a big thing. Uh, Zane's a celebrity in the running world. And uh, so you need to act kind of quickly with this before something happens. And I said to that end, uh, in a couple of days time, you've said you've got him, you know, you're going, you're going to have him under watch. If, if I get the heads up when you've got him under watch and you're happy, then I'm going to release this story because otherwise what will happen is it could get swept under the carpet. And my thinking was by releasing this story and, and rightly so, a lot of people have questioned, you know, me, I suppose, ethically and morally on this point. And it's a valid, valid point. And I thought about it long and hard, whether I should have left it and just left the investigation to run. But my thinking is this, by releasing it and making everybody aware of it and making, you know, I actually, I've tagged in the anti-doping agency of Kenya and lots of other people as well, is it puts a squeeze on this and something has to be done about it. Because if it doesn't, 
then World Athletics will be on top of it as well and asking why things aren't being done. Because Kenya has promised to do things uh, about cleaning up the doping. They have the perfect chance now to do something about it. The evidence is there. He said what he said. Now, whether it's true or not, um, and somebody on Let's Run, I think it was, or maybe a question to me, I'm not sure, basically said, well, all he has to do is lie and say that he didn't um, he didn't bring the, the the gear in from Ethiopia. And if there's no evidence on that, then, you know, he walks free. That may be the case. I don't know what the law is, but he's actually said to the whole world that that's what he did. So if he has to lie, if he has to tell the truth, then I suppose they'll be asking him questions then, well, where did he get it from? And then that will start then, you know, they'll start digging deeper. Other people have said about alerting the camps to, you know, this information, you know, to, to prevent raids and things. Um, again, that, that was a good point, And I thought about this, too. But I don't think that's what's going to happen. I think what you'll find happening here. And I know for a fact already some people have been pulled in on this as well. I heard this last night, late last night. Um, I don't know who they are, but I know that a couple of people have been pulled in. I suspect it might be if these people are real people like the, the director of the clinic. Um, it might be the police officer. Um, it might be the doctors and the lab technicians and things like this. So obviously, you know, if these are real people, Zane's got this uh, little sort of retinue of followers around him or people that he can tap into with all of his experience in Kenya that he can utilise, you know, to, to cover up for him. So it might be that they're the people that have been pulled in. And if they are, I suspect it's probably coming between a mixture between the anti-doping agency of Kenya and the, uh, the DCI. Uh, so that's already happening. That's fact. I don't know what's happening with Zane, if he's been arrested, if he's pulled, if he's been questioned, if, if they've done anything at all. Uh, the last I've heard is that he's being monitored uh, on, on that front. Um, and I think as this moves forward, I think with the, you know, with, with the, the police officer side of things is, is important as well, because that just adds another like sort of uh, dimension to this. And this is why another reason why I released the story as well, because... It, it, with the bribing that goes on in Kenya, and I suppose even people who go over there for a two-week running holiday, or people who go over for an extended, you know, thing for a month, they get this and they understand it. And if you've been there, you know what we're on about. So that's a big part of it. So by putting this out in the public and making everybody aware of it as well, something has to be done about it. Because if it isn't, it can be followed up and chased, and then the anti-doping agency of Kenya and the police and World Athletics and things can be questioned on it by the serious journalists, not like me, just some guy, somebody called me a podcaster, which is kind of quite funny. Uh, I'm sitting here with an iPhone and they're hoping the dog doesn't park, but I'm no, I'm no podcaster. But the thing is, that this has to be like investigated and checked out and, and the, the police and the anti-doping agency of Kenya have got an opportunity now to speak to him and question him. And where that goes, I don't know. I don't know the law. I don't know how the doping processes work and things as well. But the thing is, is that Zane has said that he brought EPO into Kenya and that's a criminal offence to do that. So we've got everything now, I, and my understanding is from the DCI that they can pull him. We've got these super sleuths and detectives on Let's Run and other social media platforms. Uh, but I'm not so sure if they're uh, familiar with Kenyan law, which is probably a little bit different than the way things operate in Kenya. Yes, it might be in America or the UK or Europe. There might be certain rules and things. Um, all bets are off in Kenya to some degree. And that's not me being, I'm just being realistic about it, you know. And, uh, you know, if I was Zane, I would, as somebody said, lawyer up because he's going to probably need a lawyer. And uh, I hope what happens from this is uh, the last thing in the world I want him to do is end up in jail, even though I've pushed this forward. What I want to happen is is that they sit down and they talk and 
have a cup of tea, <laughs> as they do in Kenya. Uh, Tangawizi, ginger tea. And you can sit down and have that and it's a bit spicy and then so could the information be. I think that he could, you know, just if he sits down and tells the truth properly for once, then uh, and get to the bottom of everything. And it might just be a case, I suspect, and again, I'm, I'm not basing this on any evidence, but I think that maybe he's panicked a little bit and come up with this story about Ethiopia uh, because it's probably harder to track down, you know, his, I think it was his ex-wife and then sort of like start questioning her and things like that. I think it's probably a case that he doped in Kenya. He got caught and he's covering up because he doesn't want the a lot of other people to come tumbling down with him or uh, to, to be grassing on the people, you know, close to where he's staying at the moment. But I, I might be wrong. Maybe he did bring it in from Ethiopia. I've got no idea, but hopefully we can get to the bottom of it. So that's the end of the podcast for today. Um, what the question is for the Mauritius trip and the super shoes is pre pretty straightforward. What is the name of the elite runner from New Zealand who has been busted and given an eight-year suspension? Pretty straightforward question there. Usual answers, oh sorry, answers to the usual place. WhatsApp number plus three five three oh eight three oh four three five double six nine. Contact me through stazastable.com or on Instagram, Staza underscore stable or through Facebook. Anyway, uh if I have any more information about what's happening, I will let you know. Um, but that's where I am at the moment. I very much doubt that I'll get any more information because if the investigation is ongoing, then they're very unlikely to come back to me because I'm not involved in it from a, you know the investigating point of view. All I've done is just provided some information at the start of it. And I've also, to reiterate as well, I had to go ahead from DCI to say that it was okay for me to go and post and publish the information that I have done so far. If I get any more... I'll, I'll uh, post that too. Okay, so thanks very much for listening.